Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. I am so glad to be here. So it's been a little weird for the past few weeks because we've had a lot of replays, not last week, but the one before we had a new episode on Monday. Then the one before that we had a new episode on Monday and then it was Christmas and New Year and all of that. But it's been off because we had some personnel changes at Relatable, all good changes and transitions, but that causes us not to be able to have new episodes. Some of you even emailed me who aren't on Instagram because I did talk about this on Instagram, but some of you emailed me saying like, are you okay? Yes, I am okay. It was just kind of a little bit of a forced break, which was actually good. We went to Atlanta. I spoke at G3, which was awesome. It was very much an honor to get to speak there. And then uh, my family and I went to go see my husband's family in Georgia, and that was all good and fun. But I missed you guys. I missed being able to talk about all of the things that are going on. And there are a lot of things that are going on. We did two Instagram lives uh, a couple weeks ago. Those are my first ever, but you guys were so engaging and so fun and I really enjoyed them. I will try to do more going forward, but sometimes they take a long time because I end up getting carried away. And so it's like an hour and a half of Instagram living and I can't do that every night. So sometime in the future, we will. We also will be, I asked you guys about this on Instagram, we will be starting uh, a ladies only book club on Facebook and Instagram. I said that was going to be February 1st. I can't believe it's the end of January. It's gone by so fast, but I will figure out when and how we are going to do that. And I'm really excited for it. And you guys have given me lots of suggestions about what you want to read and what the format will look like. And so I'm so excited to, uh, about it. Uh, so we're gonna be talking about a few different subjects today. Now, those of you who listen to Relatable regularly know that Monday is typically Theology Mondays, and this is going to be a little bit different. The reason for that is I want to try a little bit of a different format. So don't be disappointed, those of you who really love Theology Mondays the way that they are. I know for some of you, this is your favorite episode of the week. Uh, but what I'm going to try to do, a, th a thing that I think is going to add more value to your life and to your worldview three times a week, is if I integrate uh, stories about what's going on. So, uh, you know, cultural trends, political stories, the news, something that some Christian said on Instagram, that's something we talk about a lot, integrate it with what the Word of God actually says about this or just what the Christian worldview is on a particular issue rather than splitting up, okay, this is Bible Mondays, Theology Mondays, this is News Wednesdays, this is Interview Fridays. We'll keep the interviews on Fridays, but for the rest of the time, I want to try to kind of intertwine these things. Now, it might not work. If you hate it, we can always go back. The only people that truly determine what this podcast talks about is you and me. Uh, so if you don't like it, if you want to go back to the, uh, you know, set in stone categories or the more clean cut categories, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we can do that. That's totally fine. But give it a few weeks. See how you like it. See how I do. Give me feedback. Send me Instagram messages or uh, send me an email and we can talk about it and we can rearrange this however is best for you. My goal is for this show to add as much value to your life as humanly possible. That is my goal in 2020. That is always my goal and relatable. 
Okay, today we're going to talk about a few things with this new format. We're going to talk about uh, President Trump at the March for Life and some of the media coverage about that. Uh, we're going to talk about this lie that I've seen perpetuated, whether it's in Christian circles or not, and that is a lie that you can have it all. We're going to talk about why leftism, parts of leftism, of course, maybe not all of it, but leftism uh, at its core fights so hard against family and the children and why I want to talk about that today. I'll bring up, and then we're going to talk about Julianne Huff and demon worship, crazy stuff that seems to be going on in her life and on her Instagram. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I want to tell you guys about Simply Safe. So Simply Safe is what my husband and I use to secure our home, and we absolutely love it. It truly is extremely simple. Um, we so when we were out of town last week, we got a phone call from Simply Safe because one of our motion sensors went off and it ended up being fine. But we were a little bit worried when we heard about that. They dispatched the police, but it all ended up being totally fine. And we just felt 100% taken care of by Simply Safe. And that is exactly what you want. I mean, this is the kind of security that like Fortune 500 companies have, that like commercial businesses have. They have to know that the police are, are going to get there quickly. Simply Safe offers that, but for you, in your own home. Uh, if there is a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than uh, for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. So you get outdoor cameras, doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. You get motion sen sensors, glass break sensors, uh, protects your home from fires, from water damage, from carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, you can set up your system yourself. No tools needed. It really is so easy. Or Simply Safe's experts can do it for you. It is only 50 cents a day super affordable with no contracts. I do not like contracts. They give me anxiety. Simply Safe comes with no contracts. This is amazing. You can go to simplysafe.com slash Allie. That's simply S-I-M-P-L-I safe.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E. When you do, uh, you get free shipping on your order plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. Guys, this is a deal that not even my parents got. You want to know why? Because they used Simply Safe, they just moved. They used Simply Safe to secure their home, and they didn't use my link. I don't know why. I know they listen to my podcast. I don't know if they fast forward through the ads. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm calling them out publicly for not using my link. So unlike my parents, you should go to simplysafe.com slash Allie. Get that free shipping. Uh, that is simplysafe.com slash Allie. Save on home security today. One more time. That is simplysafe.com slash Allie. Okay, let us get into today's podcast. So President Trump was the first president ever, the first president ever to speak at the March for Life. And the media coverage of this was pretty predictable. Now, there were, I would say there were some articles, there were some outlets that covered this pretty fairly. But you see this phrase that is meant as a pejorative from the left, which the majority of the media, I think that we can acknowledge, is on the left side of the political aisle. They call it anti-abortion or anti-choice. And I know that they mean this to be offensive. They don't want to ascribe pro-life to us because they repeat this trope that has no grounding in reality whatsoever, that uh, we're not really pro-life, that we're just 
pro-forced birth, that we're just uh, pro-babies inside the womb. They say all of this terrible stuff about us caring about uh, fetuses. That's another word they use to try to dehumanize babies inside the womb as if it's not Latin for little one. Uh, they try to say that we're not really pro-life because we don't care about babies born uh, or we don't care about babies after they're born, which of course isn't true. If you look at any study of who actually gives more to charity, who actually spends more of their own resources helping the poor and helping the least of these, uh, it is not for the most part Again, this isn't true of all Democrats, but for the most part, it's not the Democratic side. It's not the left side. It is not, by association, uh, the pro-choice side. It is pro-lifers. It is, for the most part, Christian conservatives that are running these pregnancy centers uh, in which they are providing not just, uh, you know, pregnancy tests or STI tests or sonograms, but they're also offering free parenting classes or affordable parenting classes. They're helping women in crisis uh, get to some kind of refuge. They try to save them from abusive situations. I know pregnancy centers that have helped uh, women who are not citizens. Uh, get their citizenship status or get a legal status so they can actually remain in the United States. Pregnancy centers who are not on the left side of the political aisle, the people that these pro-choicers are saying only care, those are the only people that care about uh, kids after they're born. It is Christian conservatives, mostly, definitely conservatives, definitely pro-lifers that are running these uh, pregnancy centers that are helping women, not just their children, but also women and are helping people who are in poor, who are in vulnerable communities. And so it is just this lie. It is just this myth that all of these people marching at the March for Life, they only care about the children inside the womb. They don't care about anyone outside of the womb. That's just fundamentally untrue. It's not backed by any fact, any study whatsoever. And uh, I just praise the Lord for all of these people who marched at the March for Life, who, unlike the people at the Women's March, aren't marching for their own self-interest. Like all of these people, all of the people marching already survived abortion. We already survived abortion. So we're not marching for ourselves. They're marching for those not yet born. They're marching for women who feel uh, coerced or who feel manipulated into abortion. Which, by the way, if you go listen to my interview that I did with Abby Johnson, uh, that happens a lot where women are uh, manipulated into abortion saying there's no way you could raise a child and go to college. Like there's no way that you could raise a child and, and chase your dreams and do all the things you need to do. You definitely just need to not worry about this. There's no way you could raise a third child. Uh, women are given this kind of rhetoric because abortion makes money for Planned Parenthood. And so all of the people that are marching uh, in March for Life or who marched, uh, they don't have any profit incentive. They don't have any incentive really for themselves. They are doing it for someone else who can't repay them in any way, by the way. Uh, if we want to talk about the least of these, if we want to talk about the most vulnerable, the most defenseless, uh, defenseless, wow, defenseless class of humans that exist, uh, we can talk about unborn children. And so I got to go to the March for Life last year when I was pregnant. I was with my mom. I got to speak the night before at an event for Save the Stork, to Save the Stork Ball. And uh, that was wonderful. And we got to march. And this year, I was actually supposed to, uh, I was supposed to uh, be at the March for Life Youth Rally to speak. And I was so excited about it. I've been committed to that for months. And my whole family last week, after we got back from visiting my husband's family in Georgia, uh, we came down with a stomach bug. So 
as you can imagine, flying, or we actually had to drive to the airport two hours. So my husband got the stomach bug first. I was feeling queasy. My stomach, or my husband felt terrible. Baby was okay. We had to drive two hours. We had to take all of our stuff. And if you've ever traveled with a baby, as small as they are, they got a ton of stuff. They have so much stuff. You've got your stroller. You've got your car seat. You've got a million bags. Plus, we were gone for almost a week. So we had a lot of stuff. So we're going through the airport, sick, baby, bags, all of this stuff. And then I, all of a sudden, it just hits me. And I'm like, I have the stomach bug too. I was praying that my husband had just eaten something. So I get the stomach bug. I don't want to go into too many details uh, about all that, but I'll just tell you, I was sick, not just waiting in the airport for two hours, but also on the plane, middle seat, not a good experience, carrying a baby who babies don't really like being on the plane. Praise God, she actually slept for uh, a lot of the flight. So that was terrible. And then we were just praying. We were like, okay, you know, I pray that she doesn't get it, that the baby doesn't get sick because she hasn't been sick. And I was like, you know, she's strong immune system. It'll be fine. Unfortunately, baby also came down with the stomach virus and uh, that was terrible. We are all good. We are all totally fine now. We've been fine for several days. Uh, but the reason why I didn't go is because she was still on the mend. She had had a fever and I, there was just no way. It didn't make any sense to me to leave uh, to leave my baby, to go to a, a pro-life rally, to speak, even though it was something that I had been committed to, but to leave my own family and to leave my own child, to go talk about vulnerable babies, it didn't make any, didn't make any sense to me. And plus I, I wanted, I wanted to stay with her and I find it to be a, a privilege and something that I am extremely grateful to get to do that I got to stay home and to take, and to take care of her. Yes, of course, I believe in honoring commitments that we make, uh, no matter what realm they are, personal or professional, but I made the commitment to be her mom far before I made any commitment to speak anywhere. And it's far more important. So I was sad that I didn't get to be there. Um, but I also was thanking God for the privilege, for the ability to be able to stay home and to uh, take care of her. And I also praise God that we are all better now and that uh, everyone is all good. I am very thankful for uh, our immune systems. We didn't have to, you know, take any medicine or anything like that. I am thankful for pediatricians. I am thankful for all of these gifts of common grace. And thank you to all of you who prayed. I posted on Instagram asking for prayer requests. Uh, but I am also praying for, I'm also praying for all of you who have sick kids and who are sick yourselves. Like I kind of feel like it was a rite of passage into parenthood that I took care of a sick baby. Like while I was also sick, it was just like, yeah, this is, this is what, this is what motherhood is. You really don't get a break and it's beautiful. It's hard and it's awesome. And I'm praying for all of you who have babies, who have RSV, who have the flu. It's just going around this year. Maybe it's every year, but it's really difficult. And I might not even know the extent of it. Some of you have babies in the hospital and gosh, I'm just so, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. And I really, I actually did. I'm not just saying I'm praying for you. Like I took time last night and I just laid there and was like, God, please be with all of the moms and the dads whose uh, babies are suffering right now and who are sick and the anxiety and the fear that comes with all of that. But I just want you to know, 
in all of that, that if you weren't able to march uh, for life over the weekend, if you weren't able to do any activism, if you weren't able to go anywhere and to show your support in some kind of public or tangible way uh, for vulnerable babies because you were at home taking care of your own babies, like that is pro-life work. That is a pro-life cause. And that is your calling. That is my calling to be a wife and a mom. That is my calling. That is your calling if you are a wife and a mom. This whole like new agey, weird, glorified, narcissistic thing that you need to find your identity and you need to find yourself outside of being a wife and a mom in order to have any confidence or to be worthy or to be you know, a substantive part of society. It's all a lie. It's not biblical at all. Uh, and I'm very thankful for those of you who respond to the calling who of being a mom and a wife. If you are a mom and a wife, I'm very thankful for those of you who uh, do that well. And I'm thankful for the grace of God that, uh, that allows us to do that. Those of us who are in that position. Let me loop back really fast though to the actual March for Life because I do want to play you a little bit of President Trump's, uh, President Trump's speech. But we know this. Every life brings love into this world. Every child brings joy to a family. Every person is worth protecting. And above all, we know that every human soul is divine and every human life, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of Almighty God. Into the rest of this, I do want to tell you guys, I want to tell you guys about a new sponsor for Relatable that I'm so excited to talk to you about because I've been using this company for a really long time, and that is Daily Harvest. If you guys haven't heard of Daily Harvest, which I'm assuming if you are a millennial woman, you probably have, but Daily Harvest is absolutely amazing. Uh, I think we can be honest with each other and say New Year's resolutions just don't always stick, especially the ones that focus on health. It's just difficult, especially when you come out of Christmas and you're used to eating carbs and chocolate and peanut butter the way I am. It's really difficult to get back on your health grind, but Daily Harvest makes that really easy. That's been one of my goals this year is not just to be healthier, but to eat more vegetables. And I don't really like vegetables, but Daily Harvest makes vegetables actually taste good. And you can do it all in five minutes or less. A Daily Harvest is something that you can enjoy year round as a quick solution to get the fruits and vegetables that you need every day. They, uh, it's not just smoothies. It's a lot of different kinds of meals, but we get smoothies and you just add almond milk and you put it in the blender and you pour it back into the little paper cup or you can pour it into, you know, whatever cup tumbler that you use. And then you just take it with you to work or you take it with you around the house and it really is perfect. Uh, it works directly. This company works directly with farmers to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak, freezes them within 24 hours to lock in their nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you are ready to enjoy it. You can choose from 65 different options. So you've got the smoothie you've got the hearty soups, harvest bowls, overnight oats. Uh, each recipe takes one step to prepare with room to make them your own. So you can add your favorite milk to blend up a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl and top it with avocado or fried egg. My favorite smoothie is the mint and chocolate. I just add almond milk. You could add, sometimes I add protein powder. So chocolate protein powder, something like that. Add it in. Like I said, you put it in the blender, you're ready to go. Whether you're at home, at your desk, on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. So go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code RELATABLE to get $25 off your first box. It's a really good deal. So 
ships right to your door. It's on dry ice, so everything stays cold. That is dailyharvest.com, promo code RELATABLE for $25 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com, promo code RELATABLE. That was awesome. Like I said, he was the first president ever to uh, speak of the March for Life, which is kind of crazy. I mean, it's been going on since I believe 1974. So the year after Roe v. Wade and no president has ever spoken there, uh, including Ronald Reagan. You guys know, I love Ronald Reagan, favorite president, someone who I believe was at the core of who he was pro-life. Like he was actually ideologically pro-life, whereas President Trump several years ago said he was pro-choice and maybe he has genuinely switched his position, which is awesome. But as far as policy goes, Trump's administration has been extremely pro-life and that's one reason, a major reason, if not the main reason why evangelicals support him, despite all of his bad habits and hangups and the things he says on Twitter, his lack of decorum, some things that we wish that he didn't say or do, that is huge, is being for the babies inside of the womb. There is just not going to be an evangelical Christian who is, I mean, for the most part, who is going to vote for someone who is for the slaughter of babies inside the womb, especially the current Democratic Party, who supports virtually no regulation on abortion at all. So we're talking about, I mean, sometimes I just have to, it it just strikes me what we're talking about. Like, it's kind of crazy when you just sit there for a second and you're saying, okay, wait, we're actually talking about this as if it's a policy debate, whether or not it's okay to kill a baby at nine months gestation anytime is wrong, but we're talking about a a living, moving, kicking, feeling baby that could survive outside the womb. Like there are actually people who believe ideologically that that's okay. It's crazy that we're even having that debate when you sit back and actually think about it. This is not just a clump of cells. Like this is a human being. This is a baby. Uh, It's crazy that we are even going there, but no evangelical Christian is going to be on board with a party or a candidate who represents that party who is okay with that. And so President Trump, being the only president who has ever spoken uh, at this event, really is it really is a big deal. But it's not just uh, speaking uh, at this event that is a big deal. He has also done things policy-wise uh, in the way of the pro-life cause that are very good. Now, did Congress just pass a spending bill that still funds Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion mill in the nation? Yes, they did, which is a problem. But remember that the Trump administration also did something pretty amazing. I covered this on episode 154 of Relatable, if you want to listen to this explanation in full. Uh, But they also did something, like I said, uh, last year that hurt Planned Parenthood. They made a rule that said health facilities have to physically and financially completely separate abortion services from the rest of their services in order to receive Title X funds. Uh, Planned Parenthood refused to do so, uh, foregoing more than $60 million. The administration also said that Planned Parenthood or any uh, healthcare provider or any healthcare uh, facility cannot expressly recommend abortion. They can 
offer it. They can say that abortion exists as an option, but they can't say you should get an abortion. And Planned Parenthood calls this a gag rule. It's not a gag rule. Like I said, you can listen to the explanation for that on episode 154, but that's a really big deal. That was their way of trying to cut funding in a way from Planned Parenthood uh, instead of going through the spending bill, which obviously is something that failed. And like I said, is a problem. They have also, the Trump administration has also done other things to help unborn babies. And to find that information, all you have to do is to look at Planned Parenthood's own website. So here's what the Trump administration has done that is so egregious to Planned Parenthood. And if it's egregious to Planned Parenthood, then it is godly and righteous and good. Uh, he has nominated more than 150 federal judges, nominating, of course, two Supreme Court justices, uh, changes to Title 10, which we just talked about, expanded the Mexico City policy, which says foreign organizations receiving U.S. health assistance uh, can't make abortion referrals. A Department of Health and Human Services strategic plan uh, sets forth that is something that sets forth policy goals until uh, 2022, explicitly defines life as starting at conception. And I think it's so funny that they that Planned Parenthood includes that as like, oh no, science. So praise God, praise God for the Trump administration. And yes, Trump, of course, is flawed. I've talked about that several times on this podcast. I know some of you don't like when I bring that up and some of you are on the opposite end. You think I don't bring it up enough. But yes, of course, Trump has his flaws and there are people who say, how can you support this person who is so ungodly? Well, it's not even really supporting Trump, at least not for me. It's supporting his administration and what they've been able to accomplish, which is not just in the way of, you know, pro-life, but they've accomplished a lot of good things that we've talked about on this podcast. And I think that it's something that we should celebrate when there are celebrations to be had. So praise God for the Trump administration's advocacy on this issue, for how they thought on this issue. And I pray, I truly pray that they continue to do so. Um, we've talked about before, uh, abortion breaks God's heart. That's just the end of the story. Of course, it breaks God's heart. Now, some people are going to say, well, uh, so does rape, so does incest. Yes, it does. Uh, but so does abortion. It doesn't negate. One doesn't negate the other. Uh, I've done several podcasts on this. I'll list them in case you guys want to go back and listen to them. One is titled Abortion Ain't Biblical. Another is titled just Abortion, where we go through the entire issue. Another is titled Calling Evil Good. Another is an interview that I did with my friend Virgil Walker, who also hosts the podcast Just Thinking, where we talk about what you can actually do in the fight against abortion. I have also interviewed Abby Johnson. As I said earlier, I interviewed her a few weeks ago. And then the most listened to episode of Relatable ever in Relatable's existence is titled My Pro-Life Fight Against or in Congress, where we where I recapped the congressional hearing in which I was called to be a witness regarding abortion legislation. Uh, I highly recommend, if I do say so myself, all of these episodes to equip you with knowledge on scientifically what an abortion is, why biblically and morally it is wrong, uh, legislatively what has been done and can be done. Uh, all of these episodes will make you feel outraged. They will make you feel sad, but they should also make you feel hopeful and equipped. That is uh, my goal. We know from Psalm 139 that God takes care to create all of us inside of our mother's wombs, that he knits us together uh, with uh, attention to detail. We know from the creation account that human beings are uniquely made in the image of God. We have souls that live forever. We are set apart from animals and plants because of this. We are uniquely included in his plan of redemption. We know from Jesus's life and words that God cares for the least of these. We know that Jesus specifically uh, cares for children. He cares for 
for the vulnerable. He cares for the defenseless. And as we have stated many times, there really is no uh, more vulnerable or defenseless than an unborn child. Uh, fighting for unborn children is a great way to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. It's not the only way to do that, but it is a great way to do that. Uh, okay. That is the March for Life, and we're going to move on to this second thing that I want to discuss that really I was supposed to intertwine a little bit better, but I kind of went out of order when I talked about our family having a stomach bug, so I'm going to have to kind of like do a call back, and then I'm going to link it together. So like I said, the reason that I didn't go to the March for Life Youth Rally was because we were hit with the stomach bug um, and we're all better and I took care of my baby, which was a privilege to be able to do. But I saw, so the reason why I thought about this idea that you can have it all or you can do everything or that you don't have to choose, that's a really big thing. It's been a big thing for a long time, but especially nowadays. And it's kind of like wedded in conservative thought of wanting to have a family and progressive thought of women have to go out and uh, have a full-time job in order to be valuable. And so those two ideas have kind of come together into this pseudo-feminist, pseudo-conservative idea that you can have it all, that you can do everything, that you don't have to choose between family and a job, which in some ways is true. Of course, it is possible for women to be able to balance work that they have to do uh, with their, what I believe, if you are a wife and a mom, your true and higher calling to be a wife and a mom. Balance is necessary and balance is possible as long as your job isn't taking you away from your primary role if you are a wife and a mom. But this idea that you can have it all. So this is this is why I thought about this because Kim Kardashian posted this picture of her and her beautiful, gorgeous family eating breakfast and it said like Monday Madness or something like that. And um, she makes it look like you really can have everything. Like you can have this awesome, wonderful family. Like you can have four kids, you can be a mom and you can also be on the cover of every magazine, millions of followers and travel as much as she does, go to as many parties as she does, have as many photo shoots as she does. One, I think logistically, we all know that most of us are not as rich as Kim Kardashian. So we don't have as much actual help as Kim Kardashian does. She has lots and lots of help that most of us cannot afford and would not you know, purchase even if we had the money. So that's just one logistical thing of why it's unrealistic to look at that person's life and to say, oh, we can do everything that she can. But also it's not possible. It is not possible to be a full-time mom and to work full-time. Like something's just got to give. I've realized that in my own life. I have taken a huge, multiple big steps back from my job while still fulfilling the responsibilities that I have to the commitment that I have made to work. And I love this job. Like I love doing this podcast and I get to do it uh, and I get to do it from home. So that's awesome. And I am totally privileged to be able to do that. And I am so glad, but there have been so many things that I have said no to that I've decided not to do. The part of my brain that used to fear missing out on things has just died. It's just gone away. I don't even know where it is. And when I think about it, the fear of missing out is really ungodly anyway, no matter what stage of life that you're in, because you're not trusting in God's sovereignty. You're not trusting in God's control over your life. You're not trusting that God knows better. You are anxious and thinking erroneously that you are in control. So God thankfully has used motherhood 
to show me what's important and to show me that I don't constantly have to be worried about what opportunities that I don't have, that other people have, uh, because I am constantly reminded by him of what is important. And I've realized I cannot do it all. I can't. And it goes back to the title of my book and the theme that we talk about so much, this lie that Christian women, that secular women are told that you are enough. No, you're not enough. You're not enough. You are not enough. You don't have all the capabilities to be a good mom, to be a solid worker, to be a perfect wife, to be all of the things that you have to be. As a woman, you've got a million different roles that you have to fill in your life and you don't have the capacity, you don't have the talent, you don't have the ability, you don't have the know-how to do all of it and neither do I. And that is amazing. That's why 2 Corinthians 12, 9, or that's not why, but that's why we can find solace in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that God's power is perfected in our weakness. Uh, God made us fallible. God made us weak. God made us needy. God made us incomplete. God made us to need a Sabbath. God made us to need sleep. God made us to need other people. God made us most importantly and most fundamentally to need him. And so no, you are not enough and that's okay because God is enough. That is from whom we find our sufficiency. And that is why we talk so much about the problem with self-care and self-love and all of these things? Is it because you're supposed to hate yourself? Is it because you're supposed to never get your nails done? No, that's not why self-love and self-care in that whole world is wrong. The reason why all of that stuff is faulty is because it doesn't show you the the source of satisfaction. Does it bring you to the well that never runs dry, never brings you to the bread of life, which satisfies forever? It goes to you to care for yourself. It goes to you to love yourself and you can't find the love and the care that you need inside yourself. You just can't. And so that's something that I was very much reminded of as I was sick myself trying to care for my sick child and coming to the end of myself and realizing that no amount of self-love, no amount of self-care, no amount, no, uh, amount of self-empowering mantras or whatever it is, uh, is ever going to give me enough energy or give me the capacity to be able to fulfill the roles that I need. I had to say no to not just one, uh, but two prior commitments that I had uh, for work and say, you know, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to do that. And I have said no many, many times professionally over the past few months. And it truly is it's, it's my joy to do it. I'm going to say no a million more times and realize that that's just, you know, my season of life. That's just my season of life right now. And really, like I said, my true, my true calling and everything else just kind of goes underneath it. And I'm learning that. And God has given me the grace to learn that. And I pray that he gives you the grace to learn that too. It's very difficult in a world that says not just that you can have it all, but that you have to have it all in order to be fulfilled, that you have to have all the things, that you have to be enough all the time, that you have to love yourself and care for yourself enough and find yourself enough and empower yourself enough and be enough uh, in order to be fully satisfied and be fully fulfilled. And as, as rejuvenating, I guess, as that might sound, it's actually very tiring to try to muster all of the strength inside yourself 
to be all of those things. You just don't have it. That's why Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light because he calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him, uh, which is difficult. Yes, that's why he asks us to count the cost of discipleship, but also it is liberating and it is freeing and knowing that our lives are not up to us, but up to him and that we are free to be weak because he is our strength. So that is just something that I was reminded of when I was looking at that Kim Kardashian uh, Instagram picture. It makes it seem like you can have it all. You can't have it all. Something's always got to give. And I learned that uh, very tangibly this week. And I'm thankful for it. I'm very, I'm very thankful for it. And I pray that God would continue to make me thankful for those things because it's it's not fun being stressed and being sick and all of those things. Um Okay, speaking in the same vein of the self-love, self-empowerment stuff, I want to finally get to, oh, well, I was actually going to talk about something else in between. Hmm. Okay, well, I don't have that much more time. I want to talk about this Julianne Hough thing. I was going to talk about leftism against the family, but maybe I'll just save that for Wednesday. I really want to talk about this Julianne Hough thing. So Julianne Hough has been on quite the journey to discover herself, it seems like, uh, for a while. She was in Davos, Switzerland, uh, you know, at the economic summit, and she was doing something. I don't even know how to describe it. She was doing a demonstration with a doctor, Dr. John Amaral, and he is a, quote, body healing expert, and he is endorsed by a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, the woman who just made a candle that's supposed to smell like our hoo-ha? That woman? Yes, she apparently is the person that we need to be looking to for life advice. Well, she likes this guy, Dr. John Amaral, and Julianne Huff does too. Uh, he said, so this is what he said. So I, I don't want to play the video because it's disturbing, honestly. And there's no, well, maybe there is sound. She's like screaming in it and it's really weird, but I don't think I want to, I don't, I don't want to put that on my podcast. Anyway, she's laying face down on this table and he is like not touching her, but he is waving his hands over her. It looks like he's pulling something out of her behind. It's really, really weird. So here's what he says. Uh, when energy was stored and bound up in the muscles, it gets to dissipate. And if we're really free to express and allow energy, that's been bound in our bodies to move through. This woman is like an incredible dancer, actress, just human being. And she has practiced just allowing things to move through. Okay. So apparently it is supposed to, you know, like release energy, make you feel better. I mean, the world is all about this. And this is all in the culture of self-love and self-empowerment that we've been talking about. What this is, is a kundalini spirit. So I've learned about this, a kundalini spirit. And this is a Hindu term. It is a form of divine energy energy believed to be located at the base of the spine. So kundalini actually means coiled snake. And so it's energy based at the spine and what this guy does, this doctor, he's supposed to release it and it's supposed to make you feel better, but it looks like an exorcism. That is what it, and it, she has to be acting like it's not real. It's really weird, but this is, I'm not trying to be dramatic. Like I'm really not trying to take this to a level where it doesn't actually exist, but it truly is pagan worship. That's what all of this is. Uh, you should go back and listen to the episode titled Personality Test where we talk about the Enneagram, we talk about personality tests and how it all got started and how it really is 
Eastern mysticism. And Eastern mysticism has been making its way to the United States through a lot of different practices, including yoga. And I just recently have learned a lot about this and have kind of changed my mind about yoga because I didn't actually ever think anything of it. And I've realized uh, that all of this is Eastern mysticism making its way over to the West. And all of it really is a journey to the self, uh, a journey uh, to find who you truly are. It's this idea that who you are in the inside is really perfect. And that if you can just uh, release all these expectations, release all these layers that society has put on you, that life has put on you, that responsibilities have put on you, then you will be happy. Then you will be fulfilled. And it goes back to the lie that we are hearing from uh, culture at large that you can find happiness and peace and empowerment inside yourself. And I think that we can all agree that that is not biblical. Um, it's this idea that you have to, like I said, shed these layers, but also empty yourself in order to find peace. Well, that's not a biblical idea at all. The idea that you have to empty your mind uh, to find peace. The The Bible actually says that we need to fill our minds with good things in order to uh, have peace, in order to have joy. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Uh, emptying your mind is not actually possible. All you're doing when you're emptying your mind is making yourself vulnerable to Satan's deceit. Uh, Philippians 4 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things and the God of peace will be with you. So we are not called to empty ourselves. We are called to fill ourselves with good things. We are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that idea is incongruent with biblical Christianity. We don't need to commit to any of these kind of practices. And we're also not called to find ourselves. We're also not called to shed these layers to find uh, who we really are on the inside. When we are in Christ, we become a new creation. So we're not looking for new and better uh, versions of ourselves. We're not, we're not looking uh, for our best self. We are a new self to follow in the likeness of Christ, to become uh, more like Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not called to find ourselves, to empower ourselves, to shed off these layers, to find our best self. And who you really are on the inside isn't this unvarnished goddess. That's another thing that celebrities like to talk about is like goddess circles. You're not this unvarnished goddess on the inside. Who you are apart from Christ is dead in your sin. You are totally depraved in need of a savior. So if you go inside yourself looking uh, for some kind of hope, uh, for some kind of satisfaction, for some kind of source of love, you are going to be sorely disappointed. The Bible says, Jeremiah 79, that our hearts are desperately wicked. We don't have good hearts. We don't need to follow our hearts. But that's what this whole culture of what I call trendy narcissism is about. It is Eastern mysticism. It is new age. It is journey to the self. And there has been this wedding I've talked about before of like, Western capitalism and individualism with Eastern mysticism. And it is melt, it is, I guess, melted, but it is met in the world of self help. And so you see it in places like Girl Wash Your Face that you wouldn't say, oh, that's not Eastern mysticism. No, but it is uh, taking on this idea that we have to shed all of these external expectations in order to find our true unvarnished self. And when we finally do, then we'll reach our dreams, then we'll be fulfilled. 
That's just not biblical. It's just not biblical. And like I've said many times, God shows us a better way. His way is so much more satisfying. His way and his way alone is abundant life. Uh, God gives us two options. So you've got the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you've got God who gives life and life to the full. So if you are not following God who gives abundant life, then on the other side of that, you are following the thief who kills, steals, and destroys. And just a, just a note, I mean, this is very sad. I'm certainly not rejoicing over this, but Julianne Hoff, who we're talking about, she talks a lot about self-love. I actually talk about this particular quote in my book, but she quoted this. She said, I think every girl needs to love herself regardless of anything. Like if you're having a bad day, if you don't like your hair, if you don't have the best family situation, whatever, you have to love yourself and you can't do anything until you love yourself first. You can't do anything, she says, until you love yourself first. So self-love, she is saying it's a solution to all of your problems, which of course is a very uh, on trend thing to believe and to say uh, she's talked a lot about putting yourself first putting your priorities or putting yourself at the top of your priority list and uh, her husband or ex-husband has said the same thing unfortunately there was news of them uh, separating she also recently came out and said that she is not straight which seems to be a, another road on her path to self-discovery. And then you have Miley Cyrus, who told Elle magazine, uh, just I think just before she and Liam got divorced, that if you love yourself, it means that you come first. I think that this, as well as the lives of many other people who perpetuate this myth that you have to love yourself before you can love other people, they should serve it as an example for us that self-love breaks apart relationships and ultimately it will make you miserable. This self-obsession, this trendy narcissism, it doesn't work out, which is why, as we say so many times, God's way is so much better. Um, okay, I think that's all we're going to have time for today. I wanted to talk about this crazy tweet about being a traditional wife and how they talked about us like we're Neanderthals. But I think I'll talk about that on Wednesday. I think we covered enough for today. And my poll that I sent out said that you guys said that you like this podcast to be between 30 and 40 minutes. And I'm already past that. So that is wrapping it up for today. Let me, uh, let me know what you guys think about this format and I will be back here on Wednesday.